Rise and shine! It's a great day in the North Woods! Welcome to another episode of the WELK Radio Podcast. Talking about Camp Voyager, the Great North Woods, the Boundary Waters, everything in between. I'm John Bergman, and I'll be your host for today's episode. You know, as I was sitting here ready to record... I was thinking about campsites because today's episode is an exploration of what exactly makes for a great campsite. And it's an important topic because if you're on the trail, if you've had a really long day of paddling, if you've done a lot of portaging, maybe you've battled the wind, maybe you've battled some bad weather, and you've been hungry, and you've been exhausted... I'm sure if you're listening to this, you can probably relate, then you know that finding a great campsite just as the sun is starting to dip down on the horizon can immediately change the mood for the better. Snagging a great campsite is its kind of like the ultimate reward after a really hard day's work in the woods. So I've been reflecting on some of the great campsites that I have been fortunate to stay at over the years both as a camper and then as a counselor, leading canoeing trips and backpacking trips. I think of, like, there's an island campsite on Knife Lake that I stayed at many years ago. It was a great one. There was a nice little campsite nook on the tip of Greenstone Lake. And I remember there were a couple good beachy spots on Isle Royale. Those campsites are all sort of burned into my memory, the same way that I don't know, like the rooms of a house in which you grew up are still vivid and unforgettable, even if you no longer live in that house. I think if you love camping and if you love the great outdoors, then great campsites kind of carve out a really special place in your mind and they really stay there forever. So anyway, amid all of this campsite reflection... I reached out to the co-host of this podcast, Alex Quanley, because I wanted to hear him riff about great campsites. And so I asked him a simple question. What's the greatest campsite he's ever stayed at? Here's what he said. The Wasini campsite, um, kind of on the route to between Knife Lake and Thomas and Fraser Lake on your way to Insula. They, I think people call it the Hilton because it's like tiered. You you pull up to it and it's like a, there's like a three foot rock face that you have to climb and then get all your gear out. And then there's like two more tiers, like probably three or four feet tall. So when you get up to the top, it's like you're maybe 15 feet in the air. And so then you have to take your canoes and your gear up out of the water because there is no shore. There is no beach. <laughs> it's just deep right there. And it's fooled people thinking that it was was mismarked on the map because they have this red dot on the map. They pull up to the site and they look around. They're like, there's not a campsite here. This is just a rock. It's rock steps. And they can't 
see up and over it but it's very well known it's hard it's hard to get and um there's been two times where i was on knife lake and we got up at 5 a.m you know thinking if we get to wasini at 10 or 11 it can't be taken and twice we've came around the corner <laughs> and there's literally a group a minute ahead of us that just pulls into the site i mean twice that's happened it just broke our hearts <laughs> uh but yeah it's it's a beautiful site and and then nearby there's like this wasini rock pile we call it where there's a bunch of trailer home sized or bigger boulders giant boulders and then you can actually climb kind of there's kind of this trail up to the top of this little visa vista that you can overlook those rocks in the lake and stuff and so and there's a few bass in that lake then there's supposedly lake trout in there i haven't caught one but I haven't really tried too hard, but yeah, it's over, I think it's like 130 or 150 feet. It's just ridiculously deep and it's, it's not that big of a lake either. So after listening to Alex describe some of the characteristics of that particular great campsite, I literally reached into my desk drawer, I got out a pad of paper and a pencil, and I started jotting down a list of qualities and characteristics of great campsites. And better yet, I asked Alex to think of his own list. So here's what Alex eventually came up with. Well, first of all, we there's like the obvious, like the view is one of the most, if not the most important factors probably. And then obviously it has to be open and it's nice to have a nice uh, shoreline to pull up on, like a nice sandy beach. I have to chime in here briefly, just to point out that you might've noticed Alex and I both putting beach campsites or the idea of a campsite having a beach as a good thing, but I've actually found this to be a pretty debated characteristic, and I totally get it. A beach at the campsite can be really great for easily pulling up the canoes, for swimming, for taking a nap, but there's also the fact that at a beach campsite, sand will get into everything all your gear it will get into your shoes it will get into your tent it will get into your tackle box it'll probably even find its way onto your pots and pans so just be warned beachy campsites love them or hate them okay back to alex it's nice to just be able to pull your canoe up and unload safely uh but we've also picked sites based on the fishing if we know the fishing is good just from the site itself, or if you just know that there's this little waterfall, like on Ogish Kamunsi, I know there's this waterfall right across from this campsite that I love to go set up the campsite and then go hit that waterfall for fishing. Depends on the group size. You gotta make sure there's enough tent pads at the site. You gotta make sure that the fire pit's in good shape. There's been the fire pits are usually in decent shape, but the benches, sometimes people destroy those or vandalize them. There's also like wind factor. Do you want to, if you know, if, you're, if you've been battling headwind all day, do you really want to set up a site on a rocky outcropping facing the wind, you know, and get pounded by wind? And then I also think about the trees that are overhanging your tent pad. And that's like one of my top factors. Like if there's a dead, weak looking tree hanging over my site, I don't, I either don't camp there or hopefully there's another safer tent pad somewhere out there. 
I got more. There's plenty. So then there's the bugs, which is kind of um, subjective because it could, there's more than just the location of the, of like factors that why the bugs are bad, but you know, some do seem better than others every year that there just never seems to be bu too many bugs on certain sites. And, and like the ones usually by swamps and stuff are usually pretty bad uh, with bugs, but, and then it kind of depends on your trip goals. Like if you're with a bunch of little kids, like 10, 11 year olds, um, you might want to think about setting up base camps. So then you got to look at how many base camp trips are available from that site. Like, like on the little triangle there, it's a good, it's good for kids because it's a short route and you can set up base camp and there's all sorts of little side trips you can do like the Haystack Rock, Twin Rapids. There's a Rapids North east of um, Twin Rapids that has really good fishing. Um, and there's just a few things that you can make a day out of. Then, the, then there's uh, the water quality. You don't want to set up on a stagnant river. And then there's uh, traffic is something I also kind of factor into. You know, I don't want to set up the first campsite I find on Lake One because that's just the downtown boundary waters. You're just going to have canoes going by constantly and it kind of disrupts your solitude you know you I mean obviously you, you want people to be enjoying the wilderness but you don't want us to be at a site and watch you know 100 people go by because lake one I think allows like a crazy amount of people I don't know I can't think off the top of my head but it's it's dozens of people per day so do you really want them passing by all day long and it's like it doesn't even make you feel like you're in the boundary waters so but here's the thing even after alex and i made our lists even after we riffed on things like really nice campsite views and good soft tent pads bug-free outcroppings all of those characteristics that you just heard I didn't feel like we'd captured the true essence of what makes a campsite great. I mean, heck, one of my all-time favorite campsite memories is staying on this grassy, swampy campsite years ago, trying to eat trail pizza in the dark, but everyone in the group had to kind of roam around and move around as we took bites of pizza because if we stopped to eat and just stood still... The bugs and the mosquitoes were horrendous. So there we were, just walking around in circles in the pitch black, eating trail pizza, laughing at ourselves because we knew how silly we probably looked. In terms of an itemized list of qualities, that campsite itself was awful. <laughs> and yet, somehow, it created this really great moment, this great memory. So the more I thought about it, the more I realized that there are intangible qualities that make a campsite great too. A lot of things that you can't itemize and you can't jot them down as part of a list. And it was really cool because when I tried to explain this to Alex, I found that he was thinking the exact same thing. And I think through making those lists of characteristics, Alex and I came to realize that a campsite is only truly great if it's part of a great 
longer story. Alex has a great example that illustrates this. Going from camp to Grand Portage, it's a 10-day trip along the U.S.-Canadian border. First of all, it's on the Voyager's Highway, so it's a historic route that's been traveled on for thousands of years, and then and then the camp is named after the Voyagers who traveled on in the 18, 17 and 1800s. And so there's a lot of history on Knife Lake. Like on Knife Lake, they've found trinkets from Italy and Russia all over the world that, that suggests that people, that was kind of a trade center in a way. And vice versa, they found Knife Lake rock, you know, across overseas and stuff. But anyway, so it's a historic route, so there's, uh, when you're on some of those historic lakes, it's it makes it just makes I guess the campsite a little more special and and also too like the closer you get to Grand Portage like like for example the campsite on um, I think it's South Fowl Lake one of the Fowl Lakes it's just a sandy buggy kind of stinky campsite but it's one of my favorite because it's like you're so close to the end of Grand Portage and you like, you've covered the, you've, you're on, I think that's day eight or nine you're there. It's the second to last night because your last night is at Fort Charlotte at the beginning of Grand Portage. So it's your second to last night. You've come from Ely all this way and it's just a really special sight because you're, you're kind of preparing and getting psyched up for the Grand Portage, which is the reason kind of you're doing the trip, the whole goal. So. Uh, that kind of crescendo um, leading up to the Grand Portage makes that site kind of more special than it would be if like you started your journey there. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and I hope it got you excited to find your next campsite, wherever that might be. If you'd like to learn more about Camp Voyager, head to www.campvoyager.com you can also follow us on Instagram at camp underscore Voyager. We'll see you on the trail.